Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph, and last time uh, we were in chapter 41. We're now beginning uh, ch- uh, lesson 45. Now let's uh, recap a little bit here from chapter 41, beginning with verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. A very plain statement. You, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions. And said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Remember that always. God never cast away his people. Fear not. Verse 10. For I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. Now, when you consider in your mind, and think about it in a sober manner, this is the one that came on the earth, walked in the flesh, spoke to his people, and every single statement that came out of his mouth was not contradictory to what he said here. And so we should be reading the New Testament, as people called it, the New Testament. God didn't call it the New Testament. That's the writings of his disciples. Some are letters, some are epistles, whatever it may be. But you see, the false religion, in order to make a total distinction and a break away from the truth, which they call the old religion, they've begun to use this terminology. Old Testament, New Testament. There's nothing about Old Testament in Genesis 1.1. Or the entirety of the, uh, the, of the book, Genesis. But men made it to be that way because they wanted to come up with their own religion, justify their own illegitimacy. And you know what God called them. And so they came up with this terminology and we take it for granted. That's the way it is. And so we use it all the time in our language. No wonder, no wonder why we don't know the difference between right and wrong, holy and profane, righteous and untrue, true religion and false religion. True Israel and false Israel. When we use our terminology, that's what God told His people when He come to the land. Learn not the ways of the heathen. I don't want to hear anything about it. Don't bring me all this, you know, uh, way of worshiping of idols and uh, use it to worship me with. So I want you, I want you to make a separation between you and them in everything that you do. Be holy, for I am holy in everything that you do. And yet when you use their own terminology and their own language, you pretty soon begin to think, well, I don't see any difference between us and them. Only, you know, a few changes, few differences there. And how do you know the difference between the true Christians and the one that is not? And some people say, well, uh, just because he doesn't know the Sabbath, it doesn't make him, le- make him less of a Christian than me. See, that's what happens to people who are totally confused. We don't see it from God's point of view who learn the ways of the heathen, the ways of the nations around them. Then pretty soon they don't see the difference between them and their, and themselves. And God said, that's the one that came in the flesh and spoke to his people. I will build my church. That's what he's talking about. But if you don't know the background, if you don't know who that God is, if you don't know what he said before that, you don't know what he's talking about. And people don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what the disciples talk about. And they don't know what Paul is talking about in Galatians and Romans in Ephesians, and everywhere else. They know nothing but their background as they should. 
They've not been raised like Timothy from a child, he said to Timothy, from a child. You have been raised with the Holy Scriptures. What Scriptures is he talking about? Which were able to make you wise unto salvation by faith in the God of Israel, the one that became Jesus Christ. People who have not been raised that way better go back as children, as babes in Christ and learn about Christ from Genesis 1.1 and be raised like Timothy. Then they want to come back to the writings of the disciples, which people call the New Testament, and they'll understand what they're talking about. Now, people don't know it. They are, a part, they are, they are you know, in the group of what Peter would call the unlearned. No wonder why they come to the writings of the epistle of Paul, or for that matter others, they wrestle with it to their own destruction. That's why. That's what Peter was talking about. And so we read in verse 11, Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed. You know, they call them the Nazarenes. Or they call them Jews. Or they call them the Jewish Sabbath. Or they call the Torah Jewish. I don't want to hear about it. And they spoke even of the children of Israel who were converted by the disciples, by Peter and others who went among them. Like James said, you know, all those people around you, they're all Israelites, but they make fun of you because you come to the, you return to the heritage of your fathers and they don't and they make fun of you and they persecute you. That's what he's talking about in the book of James. He's writing into the twelve tribes of Israel. And so God said, Jesus Christ said, Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing and those who strive with you shall perish. Because I'm going to, you know, I'm going to destroy them. Verse 12, you read that in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. And you shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, contended with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing. So they're going to martyr you and destroy you and kill you and butcher you and incinerate you and all that. But I'm going to bring you back to life and I'm going to destroy them. And give them a taste of their own medicine. Verse 14, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm of Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Eternal, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth, and you shall thresh the mountains, that is the nations, and beat you know, then small and make the hills like chaff. Speaking about the, the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God, the enemies of the truth, the enemies of the true church. Even though it has a lot of problems. For that matter, even the ones that have the Holy Spirit have a lot of problems. Are we different? Look what the, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians. Are they different? Look at all the problems they had in all the other churches. And the Revelation, say, you know, the seven churches of Revelation, look at all the problems they had. Are we different than the physical Israel who are going to be spiritual? We're not different. A little bit better, thankfully, hopefully, but not too much different. We still have carnality in us, as Paul said, you know, what a wretched man that I am. I'm a carnal mind, carnal-minded person. The Lord is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. Are we different? I mean, if you sin only once, you're not different than those who sin a thousand times. You know, you're in the death penalty. 
And so in verse, 16, in verse uh, 16, he says, You shall winnow them, the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the eternal and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. And speaking about the people that are, are dry because they're not being taught truth. Their tongue fail for thirst. I, the Eternal, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. God never forsakes His people. Even when they are in, in the desert, in the wilderness, so to speak, in darkness, in confusion, in deception, I will never forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights. We will not expect to see it in, in fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and so forth. In other words, God is going to always be with his people. He's never going to forsake them. So we have to remember that, what God had told us in chapter 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold. Now this is the Father speaking, but the one that became Christ, who is also Jehovah, the Lord of Israel. My elect, one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. And this is speaking about the first coming of the one that became known as Jesus the Christ, that is the anointed Savior, the anointed Messiah, Yeshua in Hebrew. And of course, unfortunately, because of the deception that fell up, uh, came upon the house of Judah, that is, many of them, they were deceived, not all of them were, because all the New Testament church, you know, the, that group that followed Christ, are all Jews. But the majority were deceived by their leaders who wanted power to themselves. So when he came to them, they did not recognize him, and to this very day they don't. But God, he said, okay, I'll wait, I have patience, you know, a couple more days, 2,000 years, and I'll bring you back again into the fold, and you too shall be part of the bride. All Israel shall be saved, because that's the church, that's the bride. Can't marry somebody that doesn't exist. And so God is going to bring them back, and He's going to renew them. And so this is speaking about the first coming. Verse 4, He will not fail nor be discouraged, because there's a commission from the Father. Bring back, you know, the lost sheep. And then he told his disciples, go, bring, you know, bring back the lordship of the house of Israel. Their commission is not over yet. Nor is the commission of the prophets over yet. All those things shall come to pass. Even the, the prophets and the disciples, they're all coming back to life. And they're going to continue the commission. It's not over yet. And so he says, he will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his Torah. His law, not his Christianity. His law, his Torah, the one he gave in Sinai. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord, that is, thus says God the Eternal, who created the heavens and stretched them out. And so he continues to speak to all the nations of Israel and to all the earth who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. So people came up with a false doctrine. You have a soul and it's a living thing and you die and the soul goes up to heaven, an existent place. God is in heaven. He says, God, 
is in heaven, but the earth he gave to the children of men. And the meek shall inherit the earth, and God is going to rule over the earth, and his nation is going to be over the earth. And all the resurrected people who will come out of the grave will be on the earth. And then heaven and Jerusalem will descend on the earth. Everything is on this earth. This is where heaven is. And now it looks like hell for many people, but this is where heaven is going to be. When God heals everything, it's going to be glorious, paradise. And the Father will be here, and Christ will be here, and nobody's going to be up there. Unless they want to be marooned up in, 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 in space, be spaced out, so to speak. And so God is going to deliver his people, he's going to bring them back. And so he says, Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the, the earth, and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people, on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Eternal, have called you in righteousness, and will hold your hands, speaking to his people, Israel, to the true church. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Your job is not over yet. I'm not finished with you yet. People think, yes, you're finished with them, now you started with us. He hasn't done that. So he said, I'm going to make you the light of the nations to open blind eyes. And this commission is not only for the Savior, it's also for his people. Because he's saying it very plainly. He's speaking about his people too. To open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the prison. And that's in specific the role of the Savior. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house, I am the eternal, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. In other words, other false idols, I'm not going to get that glory. Know my praise to carved images. You see? And then, verse 10, Sing to the Eternal a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You go down to the sea, and all that is in it, you the coastlands and you the inhabitants of them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice. In other words, God is going to deliver all, all people. And then verse 14, I have held my peace a long time. God is saying, Savior of Israel, I've been still and restrained myself. So I put up with all of your sins and iniquities and all my people and, and the rest of humanity. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. Verse 15, and I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all the vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands. I will make the rivers coastlands and I will dry up the pools. In other words, God is going to bring punishment on humanity. And then he says, in verse 18, speaking to his people, Hear you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant? Speaking about his people, Jacob, who should walk in the light and be the light of the nations, just like his Savior. Who is blind uh, but my servant, or deaf is my messenger? Who is the messenger of God? Firstborn, Israel, the church of God. He had a message, a witness, he's a witness to go to the world and declare the glory of God and bring them into the fold. So he says, who is blind but my servant, or death is my messenger whom I send. Who is blind is he who is perfect, and blind is the Lord's servant. Seeing many things, but you do not observe, opening the ears, but he does not hear. Because God blinded his people, Israel, who is supposed to be the messenger of God to all the nations of the earth. Then verse 21, the eternal is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt 
the Torah, the basic. God came, as I said, I came to exalt the law and the prophets. I put them down, as the false church did. So the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt the Torah and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes. In other words, they don't, they don't like my Torah. They, they hate it. So verse 23, who among you will, he will give ear to this? Who will listen and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for the plunder and Israel to the robbers? Was it not the eternal? He against whom he, we have sinned, the prophet is telling his people, for they would not walk in his ways, nor were they obedient to his Torah. To this very day they are not obedient. The majority of them, they hate it. Even those who claim to be the people of God, they hate it. Many of them are. As soon as you talk about it, they don't want to hear about it. So they told me, tell me about something else. That's what God is saying. They were not obedient to his law. They would not even use the terminology of his law. They like to use their own terminology that they came, you know, that they brought with them out of uh, the background. Verse 25. Therefore he has poured on him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle. It has set him on fire all around. Yet he did not know, and it burned him, yet he did not take it to heart. He's not paying attention to it. Verse chapter 43, 1 to 7. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. So it's fine. It's part of what you are, it's part of all of your problems and your rebellion and being stiff-necked and rejecting my law, my Torah, my commandments, even my terminology, my words. You know, you choose your own thing. In spite of that, Never reject you. Never forsake you. So it says, I am the God, your God, God of Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you. He's speaking in the past as if it already, already did it. As far as he's concerned, you know, past, present, future have no meaning. He's eternal. And so he said, I've called you by name, by your name. You are mine. You are Jacob, mine. You are my church. You are my people. You are my wife. I'm going to bring you back and heal you and cleanse you. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, there shall not overflow you. Whatever enemy comes against you, whatever troubles, I'm going to be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. That means you're not going to be totally consumed. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the eternal, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I'm Yeshua, he says to his people. You don't recognize me. Or in the Greek, Jesus, later on became known Jesus. I'm Jesus, that's what he's saying to them. I am Jesus. I'm Yeshua. I'm the Savior. That's what it means. And one of these days their eyes are going to be opened, they will see it. Including all the other, you know, people of Israel who today are so-called in the world of Christianity but don't believe in Christ. They have no, no, no use for him. They're totally irreligious, immoral. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place, since you were precious in my sight. You have been honored, and I have loved you, in spite of all of your problems. Therefore I will give men for you, and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east, speaking about the last generation, and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, my firstborn, 
You know, my church, my people, my wife. Bring him back. You've taken her into captivity. And my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name. The church of God. Who is the church of God? The children of God. The sons of God. Israel. They are called by my name. Everyone who is called by my name. Whom I have created for my glory. In spite of all their wickedness. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let all the people be assembled. Who among you, who among them can declare this? So God is going to deal with the nations of the earth and is going to bring back his own people to himself. Jacob, the true church, the people, how fun can you be? God repeats it again and again and again. Only the blind can see it. Let's go to verse, verse 11. I, even I, am the eternal, and besides me there is no Savior. There is only one Savior, one Deliverer, one Redeemer, one Jesus, if you please. There is none else. There is no hope. He is the only Messiah, the only anointed Savior. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore... Therefore, you are my witnesses. We spoke about the meaning of the name church. The true, the original meaning of it. As God gave it, that terminology. Adam. Adat Israel. Adam. Singular. Adat Israel. The body of witnesses of Israel which he named them, as you read in Exodus 12, the first time, three times in the chapter. For the first time, this is the name that he gave them. He made them witnesses, now that he brought them out of, out of captivity, out of slavery, out of darkness, out of confusion and blindness and deception. He says, now I'm going to make you my witnesses to all the earth, so that all would know that I'm the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. I'm the only God. All the others are idols. No God but me, no Savior but me. And that's the context, context that he's speaking about whenever he says, I'm the only one, and there is none else beside me. In the context of the idols, not in the context that there is one that sent me. And this is what the Jews have never understood, because of the blindness that came upon them from the days of Isaiah. For the wisdom of their wise perished, and yet to the days of Second Temple era, there were still rabbis that did know even though the remain within the Jewish community would not follow the disciples of uh, Jesus Christ. They did know that he was son of God. They knew that there were two beings. They wrote about it. Some of it was preserved of all things in the Talmud and the Mishnah. People are not willing to look at it and see it for what it is. And so this is what he told them. You are my witnesses, says the Eternal, that I am God. And one group in particular, you know, like to claim themselves as the witnesses of God. They call themselves Jehovah Witnesses. And to begin with, they don't even know how to pronounce the name of, uh, of God, uh, you know, in Hebrew. Jehovah. It's not Jehovah. It's Jehovah. Yah. That means Yah. Was. Is. Will be. Hayah. Hove. Yihye. That's what Jehovah means. Was, is, and will be. Eternal. God says to his own people, to Jacob, to the true church, you are my witnesses, says the eternal, that I am God. I'm the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. I never left you. In spite of all your evil heart, I never left you. I'm not like you. 
I'm not like any man. You see? I was willing to give my life for you. I'm your God. I'm your husband. I love you. It's part of you. That's what he's saying here. They're going to be witnesses. That's the kind of a God we have. So you too have a chance. You have hope. Jacob will be able to tell all the nations of the earth, look what I, what I did to my God. And nevertheless, he never forsook me. So you have hope too. So it says, therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Eternal, that I am God indeed before the day was I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? Thus says the Eternal, your Redeemer, speaking to Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, to the true church, for your sake I will send to Babylon, because of your iniquities, and bring them all down as fugitives, and the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships, and the Eternal, your, ho your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, no one else, your King, the King of Israel, the God of Israel. And all those who want to worship me are going to have to come. And if I call them to be grafted to Israel, they will be. And if I don't, which the majority will not be, they're going to, to worship the God of Israel, become the children of Israel. But they're not going to be a part of the wife. The wife and the husband, God, the husband, Israel, the wife, are going to bear children and they would be all the nations of the earth. That's why it's called the firstborn. People don't read the whole book, don't understand the pattern. They don't know what the church of God is all about. They don't know what salvation is all about. And the manner, and the way in which it's going to be. So they invent all kinds of false doctrines. And some will end up way up there. Or they think they are there in heaven. So we have to read it from God's point of view, the way he, he uh, recorded it. That's how we have knowledge and understanding. And then let's go to... Uh, Let's continue with uh, verse 21. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. God makes it very plain. But you, verse 22, you have not called upon me, O Jacob. So God is chiding his own people. And you have been, you have, uh, and you have been weary of me, O Israel, speaking to his own people. And yet he's going to redeem them. Verse 23. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have bought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities to the point where I had to die for you. And yet, verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Not because you deserve it. Not because you are anybody good or anything good or superior. It's for my sake that I do it, not for your sake. And I will remember yours, and I will not remember your sins. What a difference. Verse 26, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may have acquitted. You know, people blame God all the time. You know, we went through trouble, tribulation, affliction, oppression, pogroms, this and that and the other thing. War and bloodshed. You know, why did Johnny die and all that? Both house of Judah and house of Israel constantly blame God. 
Put me in remembrance, he says in verse 26. Let us contend together, set your case. You got, you know, complaints about me? That you may be, you know, you may be acquitted, justified? God says, your first father sinned, and your mediators have transgressed against me. That is, you know, Jacob begun his life as, as sinful. Jacob and then became Israel when he repented. You know, you have to do likewise. And verse 28, he says, your first, you know, 27, your first father sinned and your mediators had transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary, you know, the, the house of God, and I will give Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. And yet, that's not the end of the story. You see, God is constantly talking to his people back and forth, just like when he came in the flesh. And he had all those conversations and debates, you know, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You tell them something, they respond that way. You tell them this thing, they'll say something else. That's what he does here, throughout the whole book. You know, so to speak, of lovers' quarters, inner quarrels. Only God is perfect, he's in absolute love, but his people is not. So they constantly fight back and forth, so to speak, wrestle. Israel continues to wrestle with his God. But he's not doing it the right way, but he's going to do it the right way, like his first father. In chapter 44, we continue the story. And uh, we read verse 1. Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant in Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus is the Eternal who made you. You know, as, as terrible as you are. All the problems I have with you, I had to die for you. Thus is the Eternal who made you and formed you from the womb. Who will help you in spite of you, you know. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Yeshurun. Yeshurun, Yeshurun, Yashar. See, as Balak, you know, prophesied against Israel, but actually spoke the words of God, and so he couldn't curse Israel, so he said, God called you Yeshurun, you are Yeshurun. Righteous, because God is going to make us righteous. You see, by our own works, we can't do anything. It's God who is going to make us righteous and justify us. And that's what the whole concept that the disciples were talking about. This is what they were talking about. And people who don't have the background to what they were talking about don't know what they are talking about. God says, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen. In other words, you righteous one that I'm going to make righteous. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. Verse 3, And I will pour my spirit on your descendants. And that's what the disciples were talking about. And my blessing on your offspring. And the first sermon that Peter preached in the book of Acts, he said, this promises to you and to your descendants. You repent and be baptized and we shall receive the screen or the gift of the Holy Spirit. They knew what he's talking about. They all had the background. That's why 3,000, just like that, were baptized on the spot. You can't do it with other nations who have no background, no knowledge, no understanding. They're totally in the dark. And what they have is mixed up. It's confused. And so he says, they will spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. One will say, I am the Eternals. I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write this, will write with his hand, the Lord's. In other words, they're going to be proud that they are the children of God, the people of God. They're not going to be ashamed anymore. And so he says, another will write with his hand, the Lord's. And the name himself and name himself by the name of Israel. I'm going to be ashamed of that. Today they are ashamed of being called Israel. You go tell the nations of the earth, 
who are the descendants of the children of Israel and are in this country and Britain and other places. Tell them you are Israel, they mock you. They're ashamed of it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to be considered Jews, you know. But the time will come where they're going to be proud to be called Israel. Verse 6, that says the eternal, the king of Israel, and his redeemer, the eternal of hosts. I am the first. I am the last. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega, as you read in Revelation. Beside me there is no God. In other words, all the idols that you have are no gods. That's what he's talking about, and people don't understand it. Especially in the Jewish community, they say, you, say, you see, aha, God says there is only one. That's not the context he's talking about. He's talking about the idols. Your idols are not God, I'm God. The issue there was not whether there is the one who is the Father that sent me. Because he made that already very plain. So, people knew the context. They, didn't, they knew what he's talking about. Isaiah didn't know it. Children of Israel knew it until wisdom perished from them. They didn't know it. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. And so God is constantly uh, chiding with his people, talking to his people, debating with his people. Verse 7, who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people, the people of Israel, that is, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these things to them. Do not fear, verse 8, nor be afraid speaking to his people. I, have I not told you from that, that is from that time and declared it, you are my witnesses, speaking to his own people. You are the witnesses that I am God, the true God. You are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me that is speaking about all the idols? Indeed, there is no other rock. I not, I know not one. And that's the context. And then he continues to, tell, to talk about the, the images that they had, you know, and all the, all the idols that they worked in worship for, you know, uh, and uh, burned incense to and offered sacrifices. Now, that's the context. That's the context of the whole uh, chapter. And people that really don't understand it. You know, they pick up one verse and they say, aha, you see, there is only one God. That's in the Jewish community. And so they, they clean, cleave to it. God made it very plain to them all the time that he's, he was sent by another one who is also God. And when he's talking about this issue, I'm God and there is none else, he's saying, you know, all those idols that you worship, they are not God, I am God and there is none else beside me. You know, no, nobody else is dealing with you but me. Well, the day will come when the eyes shall be open and people will not be deceived anymore. And, people, and the people of God will see. So in verse 21, chapter 44, he says, Remember this, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you, and you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. God will never forget his people, never reject his people, never marry someone else. He's not going to make a covenant with a house of whatever. No, he's going to make a covenant, a new covenant with the house of Israel in the house of Judah. These are his only chosen people to be alike to the nations, to bring all the rest to, to the God of Israel. How many times God has to tell us that before we believe it? So he says, I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. I will not forget, you know, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions. Speaking in the past, as if he has already done it, because in his mind, He's already done it. 
That's how he regards his people. So why would he be tired of his people and reject them and go and choose somebody else? But in his, in his mind, he already healed them, cleansed them, purged them, purified them, brought them to himself. That's the way he views it. Time is of no essence to him. Let's think like God and not like men. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I've already done that. I already gave my life for you. Now come back to me. You know? Let's live in peace together forever. Single heavens, for the eternal has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. That is the grave. Break forth into singing, you mountains. In other words, everybody's going to come out of the, of the grave and, and rejoice and, and worship God because God will give them life, resurrect them. All forests and every tree in it, for the eternal has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. And this was written 2,800 years ago. That's reality in the mind of God. How can people say God rejected his people, his true church? Verse 24, that says the eternal, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the eternal who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all along. And so God is declaring his glory to his people. And he's telling them that he'd done it all. And then he continues in verse 26, who confirms the word of his servant. Whatever he said to his people, he's going to fulfill. And performs the counsel of his messengers. Prophets that he sent to Israel to tell them about the whole story from the beginning until the end. The good, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak. And the end is good. Beautiful. Perfect. Who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited to the cities of Judah. You shall be built. 2,800 years ago, God said it. Is he capable of doing it? Just because 2,800 years ago went by? And I will raise up her waste places, who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers, who says to Cyrus, well, that is, who says of Cyrus, verse 28, he is my shepherd, so he's talking about a time when he's going to bring them deliverance, partial deliverance, because only very few of them came to the land. But you see how God is in charge of history, of time, of his people, of his bride, of his wife, of his people, as filthy as they may be, he's going to bring them back. After all, did we forget that when he married them in Israel, short time after that, they committed adultery with a, you know, a golden calf? Did he reject them at that point for 40 years? You know, that they, they made life miserable for him and for Moses and for Aaron and for the 70 elders, you know, that had the Holy Spirit, that served, served God, you know, on behalf of his people and uh, served Israel on behalf of God. He didn't reject them. And they were into idolatry again and again and again and again. Sent them into captivity on the book of Judges. Did he reject them? He never did. So why do people think that, 20, that 2,000 years ago when he came and gave his life for them, at that point he said, well, get out of here. I don't want you anymore. What did he die for? If not to atone for their sins and the sins of humanity. You see how insane this doctrine is that God rejected his people and now we are the church and they are not... Some people say, we know, we know, this is the way God did it. The New Testament tells us that. A whole bunch of lies. And so he says to the cities of Judah, 
How plain can it be? Can you spiritualize that? Verse 27, who says to the deep, and then speaks about Cyrus, who's going to deliver him, who says of Cyrus, verse 28, He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, You shall be built, and it's going to happen again. Jerusalem is going to be built again, and all of his people are going to be gathered to their land. And to your temple, your foundation shall be laid. And what is he calling his people? Let's see in chapter 45. Thus is eternal to his anointed, his Messiah, to Cyrus. Anointed means Messiah. Messiah means anointed. There are many anointed, there are many Messiahs, you see, but they are not Messiah of the same caliber, of the Messiah. You see? Uh, it's a different Messiah. All the kings of Israel were called the Messiah. You know, the Messiah of the Lord. And all the, all the high priests were called the Messiah of the Lord, the anointed of the Lord. And people get confused between that and between the Messiah, the Savior, that was anointed by his Father, the God of all, to come and, and deliver his own people with his own blood, with his own sacrifice. And so God says, that says the eternal to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and lose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will give, I will go before you and make the crooked places. In other words, he's going to, do, to be doing the whole thing. And why is he doing it, he says? Verse 4. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you. Though you have not known me, I am the eternal, and there is no other, and there is no God beside me. So he's speaking to a ruler of Gentiles, and he's saying, I raised you to deliver my people, and specific is Judah, but he's calling them Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my elect, because God views either some of them or all of them as one. You see? So they're all Israel. They're all Jacob. You know, if you go from California to Thailand, you say, I'm an American. You don't need to say you're from California, and you want to, you're still an American. And if you come from Wisconsin, you're an American. Everybody's an American. So Judah is Israel, Judah is Jacob, and they are the elect. And so is Ephraim, and so is Manasseh, and so is every other tribe of Israel. They're all under the same category. And they begin to squabble among themselves. We are Israel. No, we are Israel. No, you are Israel. You're not. I'm not Israel. That's foolish. People are you know, like children. But Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, God says to about his own people, Judah, that Cyrus, allow them to go back to the land. But God makes it very plain. And God speaks to his own people in verse 9. Woe to him that strives with his maker. A lot of people are doing it. The children of Israel are doing it. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. You know, they always argue with God. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, what are you begetting? People are always arguing with God. Or to the woman, what have you brought forth? Speaking about the, about the church, about Israel. Verse 11, thus is the eternal, the holy one of Israel and his maker. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. Who are the sons of God? Well, who is the church of God? And concerning the work of my hands, you command me. I have made the earth, and I created men on it. I, my hand, stretched out the heavens. So God says, I'm the one that is in charge, and I'm your God. You know, don't argue with me. Children like to argue with their parents. God says, don't argue with me. You know, you just did what I, what I said because I said so. I know what I'm talking about. You don't. And so in verse 17, it says, 
in spite of that and all the confusion that is in Israel uh, as it says in, uh, in verse 15 truly you are God who hide yourself O God of Israel the Savior they shall be ashamed and also disgraced all of them they shall go in confusion together who are makers of idols so speaking about the people of Israel that went into idolatry yet nevertheless verse 17 but Israel shall be saved by the eternal that's what Paul is talking about all Israel shall be saved he knows that he was raised like Timothy, like every Jew, like every Israelite at the time, like all the other Israelites that were among the tribes of Israel that still retained knowledge of the law of God and the prophets. So when the apostles came to them, then, you know, they, they knew what they were talking about. They knew that they are going to be saved by God. And they have not been rejected by God, and he's not going to forget them nor forsake them. And so God saves but Israel shall be saved by the eternal with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed or disgraced forever and ever. And there, then in uh, verse 22, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that to me every knee shall bow. And he's speaking about his people of Israel in specific first. Every tongue shall take an oath. He shall say, surely the eternal I have... Uh, surely in the eternal I have righteousness and strength to him men shall come and he shall be ashamed who are incensed against him in the eternal all the descendants of Israel shall be justified and shall glory and then chapter 4 6 verses 3 and 4 listen to me O house of Jacob and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth who have been carried from me from the womb even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. In other words, never, in other words, I'll never leave you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. And then verses 12 and 13. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near it, shall not be far from it. That is, it shall not be far from it. My salvation shall not linger, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. I think we'll stop at this point. This is again Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all God's people until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions. The Bible has answers.